Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is your boy, Jarrell Mason, a.k.a. Jay Mason. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Album Cover, where we get inside the entertainment industry and then some with those in the know and give them their flowers while they're here to be celebrated. With me right now, I have my good friend, no stranger to the show, Desmond Johnson of Tobacco Road Sports Radio. He's the EP for various shows on the Keep Pounding Podcast Network, subsidiary of Fan First Network, and a jack of all trades, master of none. Desmond, what's going on, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Oh, and if you're in the triad area, you can also catch all of the Tobacco Road Sports Radio programming on WWBG 1470 AM. Is that correct? Yes. Every uh every Friday afternoon, we have our TGI Friday lineup from 3 to 6 p.m. Uh, out of pocket just started going live at four o'clock every Friday. So that's changed that that show uh a lot. It's really, really fun. And then uh, Saturday mornings, we have Saturdays from 9 a.m. to noon. We've got uh, another block of sports talk uh, there on WWBG or just online at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. You can also subscribe to the YouTube page at TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com where you can get all of the content streamed and for your viewing pleasure at your disposal. But before we get into the music talk, I want to dive into a little bit of sports, which is something I rarely get to explore on my platform, I was reading that the NCHSAA, they're going to be expanding classifications soon because currently it's at 4A, which is the max. And I believe they're going to be expanding to what 7A for the next couple of years. Yeah. So starting in the 2025, 26 uh, school year, uh, they will be a minimum of seven classifications in North Carolina. And um, I had uh, East Forsyth head coach Todd Willard on uh, rundown a couple of weeks ago. And me and him, uh, we're good friends. Of course, I'm the voice of the, the East Forsyth Sports Network. And we've talked about this for a couple of years where North Carolina has just been really behind when it comes to these classifications. They, they had broke out football into subdivisions back like early 2000s, and it stayed that way for about 20 years, and it reverted back to just four classes right after COVID. So I think 2020, 2021, I think it was right around when it, when it switched back over. And they usually do it every four years or so uh, or make a decision on it. Uh, South Carolina has six classes. Uh, Florida has uh, eight, I think. Uh, California has eight. Carolina's had four. So basically, you you've had situations where you've got a school like Myers Park that's got thirty five hundred kids playing against a school like Glenn that has sixteen hundred kids in the same four A playoffs, and it's just not this. It's not fair to the smaller schools that are still stuck in four, still in four A, to have to compete with a school that has literally triple the amount of guys to pick from to build their teams with. Uh, not to mention Glenn is sharing a, a town with East Forsyth. East Forsyth only has like 2,000 kids themselves, and they're playing against these larger schools in Charlotte and uh, the, tr uh, the Triangle areas. So what this will do will put those larger schools in the proper classification against each other, and when schools win now in their classes, they'll be playing against schools of similar size. They're only using average daily population to, to do this. So once it goes down, it'll actually, it'll actually make more sense. It'll feel right in terms of the competition level. Yeah, because I remember back when I was playing football, they had the single-A, double-A split for playoffs only. And like you said, a couple of years ago, they ended up reverting it back to everybody all in one class. Now, out here in New Mexico, 5A is the highest classification, and they have all of the schools set up in districts. But because the state is so spread out with bigger cities being in a couple of hours drive, teams would have to drive at least a day before their game just so that they can get prepped to come in because – 
everything is so spread out across the state of New Mexico. So I'm thinking North Carolina made the right move by making this happen with the expansion of the classifications. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's more than enough schools to justify them moving up to seven. Um, it should have happened before, but apparently the principals all vote on this and they did it by like an e email vote the last time. And uh, apparently a lot of the principals just never even submitted the email. So it went down as a no vote. So it ended up, it ended up not passing, but this time around a lot of coaches and others uh, really pushed it and reminded people to go vote for it. Cause they really wanted it to happen. And now and it looks like we're going to have it uh, here in a couple of years. So good move for uh, North Carolina. Yeah. And hopefully Tarboro can be in big enough size where they can get out of one, a, Go to 2A because as long as the Vikings are in the 1A division, the East is going to be ran through Tarboro because my, not my alma mater, but the two former high schools in Northampton County consolidated about 10 plus years ago. And Tarboro is the only stumbling block to have them go back to state. But Tarboro's oh, okay. a, a well door machine down there with all the players they put out, especially, you know, Ty Gurley, Gurley yeah. what he did down there, down East. Now transitioning over to basketball, the Lakers closed out the Golden State Warriors last night, and we have a great Western Conference Finals matchup between the Lakers and Nuggets. Only difference is they're not in the bubble. So can the Lakers stop Jokic, which Phoenix was unable to do because Jokic just had his way with Aiton? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the Nuggets would have rather played the Warriors. Uh, I think it would so have been too. A better, it would have been a better match for the Nuggets, but the but having to play the Lakers. You have to play their size and AD in particular. When AD is healthy, AD is a top five, five player in the league. It's just the problem. His knock is that he's not healthy enough. Um, but I think him versus Jokic is going to be a pretty fun series to watch. We finally get some uh, old school 80s, 90s, two centers matching up against each other in the paint, banging around. But these two guys are talented enough to take it out all the way to the three-point line. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it as a Laker fan. Uh, I picked Lakers Celtics finals about halfway through the year to begin with. So I'm still kind of rooting for that just for the storylines that'll create. Um, I just mentioned it earlier today that for LeBron, this is almost a legacy type playoff thing, a legacy defining playoff series. If he can get this Lakers team that started off two and 10 with a completely different roster to the NBA finals and just so happened to play the Boston Celtics and beat them. That's something that not many Lakers can say they have done. Uh, I know they've played the Celtics a lot in the finals, but the Celtics have an overwhelming win-loss record against the Lakers in the finals. There's only a handful of Lakers that have beaten the Celtics in the finals, um, mainly the Showtime Lakers in the 80s. If LeBron can be one of those Lakers that has more than one ring, so that puts him above Wilt and a couple others, uh, Jerry West, and actually have a, a series win over the Celtics in the NBA finals at age 38, that's a separator. That's something that actually legit puts him in the conversation of GOAT. Uh, right now, I feel like he's like right below it. But you do something like that, that's history defining. That, like I can't deny that. So I'm, And I'm a LeBron fan, so I'm rooting for him and that storyline. But then there's the other side, too, with the Celtics. I mean, they've been knocking on the door for four or five years, and that's usually how it works in the NBA. You usually have to lose to win. And the Celtics are that one team, maybe Denver a little bit, that fit that mold in terms of they've been on the, the doorstep They've been knocking. They've been knocking. They've got a couple all NBA players. They're young. They're ready. If anybody had to win at this left, I would think it would be them, but they got to get it past the Sixers in the game seven first on Sunday. So uh, a lot of storylines in the NBA playoffs, but uh, like I said, the Lake shows my squad and I, I expect them to beat the Denver Nuggets in seven games. To be honest, I think they'll take it on Denver's floor. Yeah. I got 
actually the opposite Nuggets winning in seven. I think AD is going to somehow find his way to be in street clothes. And Jokic is just going to dominate. But I think what it's going to come down to is which role players are going to have the bigger impact. Who's going to help step up with their star with their star players? Like I like the Lakers roster additions that they made at the trade deadline. It was kind of like what Phoenix wanted to do, but because they had to mortgage their future by sending Cam and Mikhail to Brooklyn for the Durant trade, that you gutted your debt and you left Booker and Durant carrying a heavy load. And as we saw, they got blasted again uh, in the elimination game at home, almost similar to how Luca pretty much said, hold my beer, and I'm just going to knock you out the playoffs. So what do you think happens with Phoenix now, especially with the whole Aiden situation, new ownership coming in, wanting to make that imprint? And I'm thinking his are going to roll the, this offseason in the Valley of the Sun. Um. Yeah, I mean, if the goal is to rebuild around Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, that's fairly easy to do in terms of you've got some things you can use as trade to 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 bring some stuff back. I don't know if Chris Paul will be back uh, with the Suns. I'm not sure if Chris Paul plays uh, with anybody next year. He might decide to go ahead and retire. Um, I've seen some rumblings about him maybe possibly coming home to Charlotte, be a mentor to LaMelo Ball, that kind of thing. I just don't know what the Hornets would be willing to give up for him. DeAndre Ayton's probably not going to be back. Um, I think they they were they were right to be hesitant to give him the bag to begin with, apparently, because remember, he wanted a max. They didn't really want to give it to him. There was some thought he might not return. They finally did give him his money, and then he just – he's not that dude. Uh, so I don't expect him back. You just need to surround Durant and, and, and uh, Booker with – uh, quality role player guys in the NBA you only need two guys really to to be a factor like we got spoiled with these uh, big threes in the in the 2010s with Boston and Miami and uh, all these other places to try to build a big three but really in history if you look at it you just need two dudes that are all-star quality and have a good surrounding cast to be a contender in the NBA whether it's Jordan Pippen Shaq and Kobe uh you know what I mean? Like it just it it you don't need a bunch of stars grouped together. You don't need James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They would have been fine with two of the three, you know, and and go from there. So if they're gonna build behind Booker and KD, that's cool. But I would be kind of leery how much we put on Kevin Durant at this point in his career. He's 35, he's had major knee surgery, he hasn't made it through a full season in four or five years, actually. I think so. I don't know how much you can expect from KD going forward. I think it really should be Devin Booker and then KD as the second option, but um, Phoenix can't go any further the way they're currently constructed. They're going to have to blow it up a little bit. Yeah, I think Monty's out the door. Like you said, I think they're going to trade Aiton and just rebuild a scrap heap because when Ishbia came in, brought the team from Sarver, it pretty much kind of signaled like, hey, you come in midseason, new owner, they're going to want to stake their claim on the team. And typically that means everybody's on the chopping block because when something new happens, they want to bring in their people. So I really think it's going to be sweeping changes in Phoenix. Now, speaking of changes in ownership, it was just finalized yesterday, I believe. Commanders fans, you can come out of hiding. The Josh Harris Group's deal has been finalized for him to take the commanders over from the Snyders. And I believe it's going to be a wonderful turn of the page 
in the commander's history because as we all know with Snyder's ownership history of the franchise it's been a boo-boo show out there so what's your take on that uh I did not expect them to sell for six billion dollars that's insane like if they're if they're worth six billion dollars what are the Cowboys worth you know like what are some of these other teams worth now um David Tepper's probably made an extra couple billion dollars just owning the Panthers in the past four years just by owning them and they haven't even made the playoffs since he's been the owner um I, I I used to be a Washington fan as a kid. I love Ron Rivera. Um, I don't follow him as often now because I'm, you know, I'm all Panthers, but uh, I think it'll be good for the commanders. Actually, they might be one of the surprise teams in the NFC because now that black cloud will be lifted off the franchise. And that's, that can do wonders for uh, an organization players in terms of not having to worry about outside noise and quote unquote, fresh start and everything. Shout out to magic Johnson. I believe he's part of that ownership group. So he'll mm -hmm. become, uh, a minority owner of the commanders and if I'm not mistaken the first black owner in the NFL I might be missing somebody I think he I think he might be so I think he might be yeah so shout out to magic and everyone else that got involved with that six billion dollars for the Washington commanders is insane though yeah that that is crazy that's enough to buy you a whole bunch of mambo sauce and carry out at your local chinese uh, in the dmv area now I mean, denver wait. denver just sold for four billion like we jumped two billion dollars on uh this commander sale so it, i don't know it's just crazy to me yeah i wonder if sean payton got some walmart smocks and a discount card for walmart and sam's club to go along with his coaching deal with the broncos since the broncos are now owned by wiley world folks Possibly. And <laughs> that might have been part of the contract. <laughs> yeah. And then if you and then if you don't make the team, you can always go back at your local hood, Walmart, and around the Denver, Inglewood, Littleton, Colorado area. Now with the Panthers. Now I was kind of hoping that we would take Richardson because Richardson to me had all of the physical upside that Reich was looking for in his QB profile, but you don't give up what you gave up and jump up to one to give developmental guy that may not be ready to start day one. So I felt like Bryce was the sure bet. And the crazy thing was everybody was all on CJ, but it wasn't until maybe the pro day. And then of course the dinner with Tepper and the contingency that just won Bryce over. So what's your take on Bryce coming in? And then they just had rookie mini camp the first day yesterday. And everybody was saying like, man, Bryce is good as advertised. I think a lot of people tried to overthink it. You go, you go with the best player and Bryce Young was the best player. Uh, you got to ignore all the talk about his size and all that kind of stuff. He's five foot 10. PJ Walker's five eleven. I didn't hear anybody complain about PJ Walker's size the whole time he was the Carolina Panther quarterback. You know, he's an inch taller. So, I mean, they'll put weight on him. That's what the NFL will do. Their weight training program. They'll, they'll feed him peanut butter. They'll, they'll do what they got to do to put a little weight on him. I'm not worried about the, the, that I think people are worried about his height, but, uh, I think it was Kurt Warner or somebody that I saw that was basically saying, well, you know, quarterbacks don't throw over offensive linemen. Like if you watch, they're not throwing over them. They're throwing in lanes. Like they're throwing in alleyways, like openings that open up. And Bryce can do that, has done that. One of Heisman doing it. Um, in fact, one of his best games was the SEC championship game versus Georgia. That's got like eight future NFL players on it. Apparently all of them play for the Eagles, <laughs> but uh like, I mean, he did, he threw for 400 yards on that Georgia defense in 2021 uh, and just crushed him. So, I mean, he's been in the big games. He's been this dude his whole career. 
I love his demeanor. I love how humble he is, yet he's very confident in his abilities. He knows what he can do. Um, he seems to be a leader type. The Panthers have gravitated to him very quickly, especially the offensive line. They're going to protect him. They're going to put him in situations where he'll be successful. And with this coaching staff, uh, any of the quarterbacks in the draft would have been happy to come here because the coaching staff with Frank Wright and Josh McCown, Jim Caldwell, uh, Thomas Brown coming from the, the Rams and, uh, you know, in that coaching tree, it's set up for a rookie quarterback to come in and find success pretty quickly if they're that type of quarterback that can process things quickly. They're smart. They're good on their feet. And they got a good arm. He's got all that in spades. So I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about what they're doing. And I think Bryce is actually, we're going to look back on it in a couple of years. I think Bryce might have the same effect on football as Steph Curry did on basketball in terms of changing the narrative of what a traditional quarterback has to look like or, 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 or be. Um, he's not the traditional quarterback in terms of size or whatnot. But you might start seeing the same trickle-down effect we've seen with Steph where – you know, a decade after he started playing, I do a lot of high school stuff. I see a lot of high school basketball guys come across half court and shoot threes with like, you know, <laughs> as soon as they've inbounded the ball. That's the Steph Curry effect. He didn't tell him to go do it, but his body makes you think that anybody can go do it. And really, there's only one person that can do it in a Steph Curry. But he's changed the way people play basketball, like outside in. I think that uh, that Bryce has that opportunity with the Panthers to change the way we evaluate quarterbacks going forward. A lot of times in high school, if you're a five nine, five ten quarterback, you get to college, they move you out to wide receiver, or they put you on defense, or something. They don't give you a chance to compete with quarterback because of your height. I think that might change if Bryce is successful in Carolina. Yeah, I like the way that Carolina drafted in this draft. It kind of felt like if they would have did this approach when they drafted Cam, we probably would have won Super Bowl fifty. Had they would have taken the taken the same approach draft wise, but I think what hurt Cam was he came at a time when RPO wasn't really in vogue yet, and it was still the drop step three to five seven quarterbacks. And now everybody's pretty much getting an athletic QB running RPO. You see what Philly did last season, how it got them to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They, they, they changed the offense to, to to cater to Jalen Hurts' strengths, which is what you're supposed to do. Instead of trying to shoehorn him into the offense you want to run, uh, build it around his strengths and go from there. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what they did. Right. And Panthers marketing department, I'm going to give you all some free game. Put my check and ticket in the mail. Get some Bryce Up Sun t-shirts. I need <laughs> that in my life, Bryce Up Sun. And number two, since you got Mingo from Ole Miss, Get a Mingo card for every time he catch a slant, put something on the board. Every time he pancakes a corner, put that on the board and say, Mingo, I got this, 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 free space, and that. And then if you win your Mingo game, you maybe get a half dozen free Krispy Kreme donuts in and around the local Charlotte area. I'm telling that could you. Be something. Yeah, that could work. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, hey, put that word in for Stu, but I got to <laughs> tell him why you mad. I'm going to tell you why you mad, son. I'll tell you why you mad, son. <laughs> NFL Sunday ticket. NFL it, Sunday it, ticket. It moved to, uh, they moved to YouTube, didn't it? Yeah, they moved to YouTube, but my complaint is... Here, I'll give you one. Go yeah, I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. I'm going to tell you why we mad, son. Thank you. So, why are you going to charge everybody $300 plus for the package plus Red Zone where you could make more money by doing a team-only package and say, here, you don't want the whole package? 
subscribe to your favorite team or teams and just do it that way as opposed to force feeding the package. NFL, take heed. Don't nobody want to pay all that money. If we wanted to do that, we can go to your local bar or local eating establishment that have multiple TVs and watch it there. Yeah. Yeah. Only issue. Um, uh, remind me of the question again. I'm sorry. All right. So, Sunday ticket. Why not do a team only option as opposed to force feeding the whole package if you're the NFL? good yeah i'm good so so why force the the sunday ticket package if you're the nfl as opposed to doing a team only option well the nfl knows that the majority of their fans aren't going to do that they're they're going to just they're going to bite the bullet and spend the money <laughs> so that's pretty much the main reason why they're doing it they know the majority of fans like me i mean I'm all over the place. Of course, you see my face all over the place. I have a bunch of podcasts and all these other things, but I'm kind of an introvert the older I get. I don't want to go to a sports bar to watch the Panthers play. I prefer watching it in my living room, you know, like by myself. Like I don't really get into watching it with a whole group of people. And I, I bet the majority of fans are like that too. So the NFL knows that if uh, you want to watch the Steelers and you live in Oregon, you're going to pay the money. Like you, I mean, what else are you going to do? Like you're not going to go to the bar every Sunday to watch it there. You're going to, you're going to pay the 300 something dollars like you have every year. And nothing you can do about it. <laughs> That's literally what the NFL is pretty much saying. And they're right. Like, there isn't anything really you can do about it. So people are just going to pay the money. Like, I mean, it's the NFL, man. There's a gorilla in the room when it comes to pro sports. And uh, they got their their thumb on the pulse for sure. Right. And speaking of being the gorilla in the room, schedule release came out on Thursday and how they pretty much hijacked all the other sporting events that was out for that day because that's all everybody talked about was the schedule release. Looking at the Panthers' schedule, I think I have them winning at least a minimum nine games, 10 at 10, and then max at 11, because nine may be the magic number to get you in the NFC wild card, and 10 may win you the division. Now, my second favorite release schedule that a team dropped was the Chargers, and I'm not a big anime guy. I mean, that one was hilarious, especially with them ripping the Detroit Lions. That one was I, hilarious. I haven't seen any of them but the Tennessee Titans one and the Panthers one. Uh, have you seen the Titans one? Um, I caught the clip that you played on the rundown. It was like kind of like man on the street and it had yeah. people kind of <laughs> guess the mascots. And that just showed me, Tennessee, come on, y'all. I mean, the San Francisco 69ers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on, come on, son. Steelers. It was the Steelers. Like, because uh, we were talking about uh, the girls in the street, they were like 49ers, 69ers, something like that. But it was the steel. It, the name is in the <laughs> in the logo. It's right there. The uh, answer is right there. 
I, I loved it. it was creative it was inexpensive uh it was hilarious uh probably one of the best schedule releases i've seen ever so uh shout out to them panthers had a good one a couple of years ago and i watched the one from this year and they they put on a show uh panthers have a really good social media department but uh yeah the titans one took the cake for me yeah def definitely that and uh another thing i want to get into with sports real quick i want to give a big shout out to the carolina hurricanes making it to the eastern conference finals where they'll be playing the florida panthers and currently coach of the florida panthers was the first coach of the hurricanes paul maurice who came down to carolina when the team relocated from Hartford. So I'm really thinking that this year is the Canes years to get back to the Stanley Cup and win it all for the first time since 06. It's a possibility, especially with the Bruins now out. Um, the Canes were the second best team in the Eastern Conference all year. Uh, it's opening up for them. We'll see. I don't want to jinx it for them. But uh, yeah, it's it's opening up for if they get past the Panthers, see who comes out of the West. Uh, might get like a Seattle Carolina Stanley Cup final, which is nuts. But um Shout out to the Canes. They're having a great year. Yeah, and speaking of Florida, I mean, let's look at what Jimmy Butler is doing down in Miami. I mean, playoff Jimmy got the heat to the Eastern Conference Finals, and they're waiting on the winner of Philly-Boston. And Miami could mess around and probably be the first team from the play-in to make it to the NBA Finals. Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we said it a couple of weeks ago. It was like, uh, you almost have to throw seeds out this year when it comes to the NBA because of the way the season went, because um, a lot of the vets, a lot of the older teams, they got hurt and banged up early in the year, uh, which allowed younger teams like Memphis and San Francisco, or excuse me, San, uh, Sacramento, the Knicks uh, to kind of elevate into top four, top five seeds. But we didn't really truly believe that they were. Uh, and then you got teams like Miami who played like they hated each other all year. Um, now, all of a sudden, they're uh, playing pretty well behind Jimmy Butler and Bam and those guys. The Lakers completely changed their roster uh, at the trade deadline. They're the hottest team in the league since the trade deadline happened. Uh, I think they've only lost like four or five games total like since then. So, uh, And they're a, uh, they're a six seed. So, I mean, you kind of got to throw all that out the window uh, with the NBA playoffs this year, which makes it more fun. Right. And with Golden State, I'm thinking Kerr was probably sitting the whole season and with last night's closeout game – kind of feels like I'm watching part two of the Bulls last dance with us. Possibly. Um, that'll be an interesting question for them to decide because the Warriors have been paying the luxury tax for the past three or four years now, most in the league, just to keep this core together. Uh, we talked about it earlier today on Rundown, if this was the last that we'll see of this Warriors dynasty. I don't know because Steph is still at that level where he can take a team to a title. He just did it last year. So, I mean, if you still got a guy that can do that for another year or two, Maybe you learn from the previous mistakes of the last dance. Maybe you do try to keep them together uh, another year or so. But the difference with that, the last dance, they completed it. They finished it. They won a championship. They went out on a title. Like, it wasn't settled on the court. Like, this is more definitive to me if this is the end than we saw the end of it on the court. They lost. You know, they lost the playoff series. So that that Bulls dynasty didn't, uh, you know, in the 90s uh, during their title run. So it was a little bit different. They were broken apart by management. This would be more broken apart by age, and uh, it's just time. They've won four titles in eight years, so it might be time to go ahead and, and break it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm thinking Draymond is probably going to get shipped out because I felt the moment that that video came out where he uh, went smitty on Jordan Poole, see Steve Smith and Ken Lucas in training camp that one time, um, that um, Golden State never really recovered from that, and 
they went ahead and traded, I believe it was Wiseman, right? They traded them to the Pistons at the yeah. trade deadline. And then a lot of those young guys that they thought would step up, like Kaminga, Moody, and they ended up getting Gary Payton the second back from Portland, you know, that, you know, they weren't really developing like they thought they would. Yeah, see, and that's the thing. At this point last year, we were looking at the Warriors and thinking, oh, wow, they're about to rebuild this dynasty. They replenished the young guys around the old guys. And it just didn't work. I don't know what happened to Jordan Poole after he got his money. He just disappeared. Like, he was trash, like, in these playoffs. I'm sorry. He just – he's, like, forgot how to play defense. He can't shoot. And they're paying him $35 million a year. So, you can't even trade him, really. Like, I don't know what they do with him. But I don't think the Draymond will be back. Uh, in fact, I think that long embrace at the end of the Warriors-Lakers game between LeBron and Draymond was LeBron joking that, hey, I'll see you in Los Angeles next year. Like, it seems like he might move on. Uh, and do something else and the Lakers would probably be a good fit uh, for what he brings to the table so don't be surprised if that happens all right quick hitters I'm gonna get you out um your thoughts your thoughts on the Grammys hip-hop medley and Misty along with DJ Cool Hurt representing hip-hop in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class this year um I like the melody uh at the Grammys I wasn't expecting it to be as cool as it was because it's the Grammys um i've been around hip-hop i'm 45 so i've grown up in hip-hop the first words i knew to a song uh was ll cool j's i need love i think i had that memorized at age five or six my cousin had it so i just played it non-stop um cool herc uh the, the grandfather the, the father of this pretty much uh well deserved getting in uh and missy i was talking to somebody online the other day they were trying to get people to name off female producers and rap and he was like how come there's never any female producers and i was like missy elliott says hello like people forget she produced a whole lot of stuff uh not just timberland like them together well deserved for her some of her stuff and some of timberland's stuff from like late like 97 98 99 uh socket to me and stuff like that it sounds like it could come out today like literally it's and it would sound futuristic still <laughs> you know like when you listen to it so well deserved to missy well deserved to cool heart i hope they bring back the um uh the show on netflix um uh, what is it uh, uh this is pop no no the hip-hop one. Oh, uh, hip-hop evolution hip-hop evolution they stopped they finished the season four right before covid happened i don't know if they're going to do another season but it felt like they got to the point where they would be around the drake uh jake cole kendrick lamar era less felt like that's where they were heading towards but i don't know if they're gonna do another one or not but there's a good one on there uh about producers from virginia beach uh that goes into detail with missy and how she got found and everything and in the beginning the very first episode it's about cool herc so if you haven't watched that go check that out right and another show i would recommend um mini series they just wrapped up their five-parter last night was a. Uh, Dear Mama, directed by Alan Hughes of the Hughes Brothers, about the relationship between Afeni Shakur and Tupac Shakur. So for those yeah, of you that don't know, Afeni Shakur was actually born in and raised for a little bit in Lumberton, which is down past Fayetteville. And then a couple of years later, ended up relocating to New York. And we all know how the rest of the story went. So what's your take on that? I did. I've been watching it. I haven't watched the last one uh, from last night yet because I had uh, baseball last night and then uh, run down this morning. I'll probably watch it for the weekend is over. Um, I, I'm the hugest Tupac, Biggie, East Coast, West Coast, that whole thing. I'm a huge fan of that whole genre because I was a senior in high school and all this is going on. So this is this is like 96, 97. Like that's like I'm 17, 18, 19 years old. So it's all still fresh in my mind. Uh, and I don't think we all at the time really realized what was going on or what was happening, how big it would be. 
Tupac is like at Elvis level in terms of like the longer it goes past 96, it just seems like his legend grows and grows and grows. Uh, it may, it, of anything, the, the documentary makes me wonder what Tupac and Biggie would be doing today if they were alive. Uh, I think Tupac would have been full blown into acting at this point. Um, he would have been over 50, so he might he may have stepped into the political world. I could have seen something like that happening with him. I think the same with Biggie, too. I think he would have stepped more into acting, uh, more mogul type stuff, producer, maybe on a label, on a studio, that kind of thing. I think they would be doing the same things that like Jay-Z is doing like right now. Basically, they were starting to do that stuff before him. And that's the main thing I see whenever I watch that. Right. And uh, I believe you had kind of went earlier and think that you think the Lakers are going to win the finals this year? Uh, I don't know if they're going to win the final. I picked Lakers Celtics for the finals and laid out a scenario. What would happen if they do win the finals? Uh, if they will, I don't know. To be honest, I'm kind of leaning towards Boston because of the the example I laid out before. They're the only team that's in the uh, playoffs left that's been knocking on the door for the past couple of years. And usually in the NBA, you got to knock on the door first before they let you in. Uh, most of the dynasties, whether it's, uh, you know, the bad boy Pistons, the the Jordan Bulls of the 90s, uh, Spurs, Shaq and Kobe's Lakers, they all had to go through some kind of adversity first before they started winning these titles. And I think it's time for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to ascend to that level. So it might be their year. Right. And really earn their stripes and get a banner raised up at the garden. Now, two, two quick ones and then we're out. Um, surprise NFL team this upcoming season and do you think the Chiefs will go back to back or somebody else will win the Super Bowl? Uh, surprise NFL team. I'm gonna go with my Panthers because I feel like a lot of the general public outside of North Carolina feels like the Panthers are a really, really bad football team because they picked first overall without realizing they weren't the worst team in the NFL. They traded up from nine to do that. Like they were, they were game out of winning their division last year amidst firing their coach mid season, trading their best players, <laughs> like no quarterback. And they still almost won the NFC South. So I feel like a lot of people are going to be surprised when the Panthers come out and they're playing really, really well. But Panther fans that have been watching them over the past, you know, 14, 15 months, understand what's here. And now with the new coaching regime, we don't think it'll be that much of a surprise to us, but I think to the, the public, it will be. Um, your What was your second question again? I'm sorry. Um, will the Chiefs go back to back and, oh. or will somebody else win the Super Bowl? The AFC is really hard. I, I don't know if they'll go back to back. Um, Hell, the Chiefs' division is going to be hard. Uh, Russell Wilson, by default, should be better just by Sean Payton being in Denver. Uh, so they'll be an option. Uh, Justin Herbert's going to be playing for an extension. So the Chargers are going to be in play. Um, you still got the Bills lurking over in the AFC East. The Dolphins are going to be better. The Jets now have Aaron Rodgers, so they're going to be better. They got a top 10 defense. Uh, don't count out the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Like, it's just, it's hard, man. I, I don't know who's coming out of the AFC, but I, I don't think that I would pick the Chiefs to repeat as Super Bowl champs in uh, in May. I don't know if I, I'm able to do that yet. Right. I'm thinking we may get Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl, and it may be Joe Burrow and Cruz time to finally bring that Lombardi, Lombardi trophy to Cincy. I will never pick the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm old enough to just, doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't feel right. Doesn't sound right. I love Joe Burrow. Like I, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the game today. Like probably top five for me. But uh, I just I can't imagine a world where the Bengals are Super Bowl champions. I'm sorry. All <laughs> right. So 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 we'll talk about that once football season commence. So any shout-outs you want to give and plug your socials, Des. Um, yo, shout out to everybody that's helped uh, Tobacco Road Sports Radio grow over the past uh, three years since we first launched. We were a Saturday morning talk show block to begin with. We've grown into live sports. 
uh, the, the YouTube channel, go and go like the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at tobacco road sports radio. We're trying to grow that and get over a thousand likes before summer's over. So we can start to allow uh, YouTube to monetize the shows. Shout out to the shows that are on uh, tobacco road right now that have been doing fantastic. Michael Davis and out of pocket, all the stuff he's doing, Ryan Frick, they both host uh, embrace debate. So definitely go and uh, not embrace bait. That's what I host. Uh, they both uh, do uh, the cat cave, which is a Carolina Panthers podcast. Um, follow me on Twitter at D E Z underscore three, five, zero five. You can follow tobacco road sports radio at tobacco radio uh, on Twitter. Um, follow us there, get the latest from all that. And if you're in the triad area and you're a sports fanatic and you're missing having that organic sports talk or sports broadcasting here in the triad, you can come find us and we'll, we'll give you your fix. All right, and you can catch this interview wherever you stream podcasts on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash beyond the album cover. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause and thank you for my good friend, Desmond Johnson. Des, thank you for coming on, bro. Hey, bro, appreciate you for having me, man. Anytime. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.